And now we're going to talk about periodontology. So periodontology involves the diagnosis, treatment, and prevention of the inflammatory and systemic disease processes affecting the periodontium. Tissues of the periodontium are gingiva, periodontal ligament, the PDL, cementum, alveolar bone. The periodontal ligament, so we've got functions here, this transmits transmits occlusal forces to the bone, attaches teeth to bone, maintains position of gingival tissues, resists impact of occlusal forces, it acts as a shock absorber for nerves and vessels, supplies nutrients to periodontal structures, transmits touch pain and pressure sensation. Now we also have different fiber bundles. Make sure that you remember these. I'm going to go over the, the bundles or the fibers first, and then we're going to go back up and detail them out. So first we've got the transeptal fibers, alveolar crest fibers, oblique fibers, horizontal fibers, apical fibers, and the interradicular fibers. Now we also have the collagenous fibers. These are sharp, Sharpies fibers that attach cementum to the bone. Now we're going to go back into the principal fiber group. So again, we've got the transeptal fibers extend interproximally over alveolar crest embedded in the cementum of two adjacent teeth. You also have the alveolar crest fibers, apical to junctional epithelium, extends obliquely from cementum to alveolar bone. Now, moving on to the oblique fibers, this is the largest and most significant fiber group. It extends from the cementum coronally to bone specifically with withstands masticatory stress in a vertical direction vertical direction for the oblique fibers guys and horizontal fibers this extend extend at right angles to the long axis of the tooth and apical or apical fibers extend from apical aspect of cementum to base of tooth socket and the interradicular fibers found only in multi-rooted teeth extending from cementum to bone in areas of furcation. Now cells of the PDL. You've got fibroblast are the most prominent cell in the PDL responsible for collagen synthesis and degradation. Cells capable of remodeling bone are the osteoclast and osteo Blast, the osteoclast break down bone. In cementum, we have the cementoblast. Disease classification, guys. That will be the next topic that we're going to discuss. So now moving on to disease classification. It is based on updated classification system and nomenclature used in the November 1999 annuals uh, periodontology. The National Board will use this classification system exclusively. You will not see case types 1, 2, 3, or 4. Rather, you will see the categories described below. So make sure that you do know these categories, guys. So the first one that we're going to discuss is gingival diseases. So we've got the dental plaque induced gingival diseases associated with plaque only modified by systemic factors, medication and nutrition. And then you've got the non-plaque induced gingival lesion. So this is viral, fungal, or genetic origin, gingival manifestations of systemic conditions, traumatic lesions, foreign body reactions. Board alert here is know that specific causes of gingival inflammation include open contacts and subgingival margins of restorations. Gingival results from ulceration at the base of the sulcus. Now we've got chronic periodontitis and aggressive periodontitis. They both have they both can be localized and generalized. Periodontitis as a manifestation of systemic diseases associated with hemolo hematological disorders, acquired neutropenia, 
and leukopenia. Peritonitis is associated with genetic disorders. So here we're going to go through the list. Again, forgive me if I mess up any names. It probably will happen. We have the familial and cyclic neutropenia, Down syndrome, leukocyte adhesion deficiency syndromes, pap- papillon Lefevre syndrome, the Shidiac Higashi syndrome, the histiocytosis syndromes, the glycogen storage disease, infantile genetic agranulocytosis, the Cohen syndrome, the the Ehlers-Danlos syndrome, the hypophosphatiasia, and moving on to necrotizing periodontal diseases. So here we've got two necrotizing periodontal diseases. We have NUP and NUG. So the NUP stands for necrotizing ulcerative periodontitis, and the NUG stands for necrotizing ulcerative gingivitis. Board alert here. In patients with no known systemic disease or immune dysfunction, NUB appears to share many of the clinical and etiologic characteristics of NUG, except that patients with NUP demonstrate loss of clinical attachment and alveolar bone at affected sites. In these patients, NUP may be a, a sequela of a single or multiple episodes of NUG or may be the result of the occurrence of necrotizing disease at a previously periodont- periodontically involved site. The microbes must often, most often associated with NUP and NUG are, these are very important, we've got the Spirochetes or the spirochetes, especially the the trepo the treponema denticola and the fusiform bacterium, the prevotella intermedia, and the porphyromonas gingivalis. That's involved in, in perio always is the porphy, porphyromonas gingiv, gingivalis. We also have uh, the antibiotic therapy is often warranted here for the necrotizing periodontal disease. The tetracycline is often the drug of choice because it concentrates in the gingival cravicular fluid. The common clinical findings of NUP and NUG are punched out papilla. So this is not hyperplasia. You have the pseudomembrane may resemble other the disquimative, disquimative disorders. Fetid odor, you will be familiar with this, and pain and severe inflammation. Now moving on to the abscesses of the periodontium. So the abscesses of the periodontium are gingival abscess, periodontal abscess, the pericoronal abscess, and the periapical abscess. So board alert here is it is important to differentiate between types of dental abscesses. For the most part, it is their point of origin that defines them. So gingival abscesses results from the injury to or infection of the surface gingival tissue. The periodontal abscess, this is lateral periodontal abscess, the lateral periodontal abscess results when infection spreads deep into periodontal pockets and drainage is blocked. So food impaction, calculus, etc. The board alert here is may develop after periodontal debridement. The pericoronal abscess develops an inflamed dental 
follicular tissue overlaying the crown of a a, of a partially erupted tooth, most often mandibular third molars. And then we've got the periapical abscess results from pulp infection, usually secondary to deep tooth decay. A board alert. Let's talk about the board alerts here. Know that a periapical abscess requires a periapical film. A periodontal abscess will not generally show up on a radiograph. The reversible pulpitis is a mild pulpal inflammation, usually resulting from placement of a deep restoration. It is associated with episodic temperature-related pain, which improves with the depth with a deposition of reparative dentin, it is also referred to as pulp hyperemia. Know that revo- reversible pulpitis is related to hyperemia. Frequently, the maxillary sinus will uh, pneumatize or extend into old extraction sites. Know that pneumatize pneumatization is a condition in which there is a connection from the sinus to an extraction site. Periodontitis associated with endodontic lesions. We also have development or acquired deformities and conditions. So we've got localized tooth related factors that increase the risk of developing plaque induced gingivitis and periodontitis. The mucogingival deformities and conditions around the teeth. We've got gingival recession, lack of attached gingiva, frenal positions, and gingival excess. And then also another development or acquired deformity would be occlusal trauma. Now we're going to move on to the gingival diseases. All right, guys. So now we're going to talk about gingival diseases. So we have gingivitis. This is reversible inflammation of the gingiva. Plaque accumulation is directly related to development. Chronic plaque-associated gingivitis is category described most gingivitis. Gingivitis description is acute versus chronic, the extent, so localized and generalized, the distribution, so marginal and papillary, the color, the contour, so bulbous or festooned, and texture, which is stippling. So now we've got a a small little chart here, and it's acute versus chronic. So first, I'm going to talk about the acute, and then we're going to I will say um, the chronic descriptions and moving on. So the acute is rapid development, obvious inflammation, and pain. Now chronic is slow development. It may appear normal and it may not cause pain. Moving on to the gingival color. So typically it should be coral pink. Pigmentation would be melanin, urethema, redness associated with inflammation, cyanosis, this is a bluish hue, highly vascular, generally seen around crowns, and pallor. Uh, This is the lighter than normal tissue associated with leukemias, fibrotic tissue, and anemias, etc. Now moving on to the plaque formation. It is important to know the order of events involved in plaque formation. So first we are going to talk about glycoproteins from saliva are absorbed into the tooth onto the tooth structure. Bacteria then adhere to the acquired pellicle. 
Bacteria multiply and form many colonies. A matrix is exopolysaccharides forms between the bacteria, which increases plaque mass and thickness. Creation of a cohesion biofilm. Bacterial detachment, planktonic bacteria. Now moving on to periodontitis. Inflammation of periodontal disease Sorry, let me say that again. Periodontitis is inflammation of periodontal tissues and loss of connective tissue attachment. Make sure that you are saying that second part, which is and loss of connective tissue attachment. Presence or accumulation of plaque may an initiate periodontal disease, but it is not the only factor. Nature and severity of periodontal diseases are related to vir virulence of bacteria and host response. So board alert here is know that periodontitis, when compared to gingivitis, is characterized by the downward migration of the junctional epithelium. Also, I'm going to repeat that again. So... Know that periodontitis, when compared to gingivitis, is characterized by the downward migration of the junctional epithelium. Now, moving on to the surface texture. So you have stippled. This is the marginal tissue is the marginal tissue is not stippled. Ed edematous, glossy appearance due to the the fluid infiltration. And a board alert here, here is know that the most obvious result of vasodilation of the peripheral circulation was edema. We also have fibrotic is another surface texture and highly stippled due to increase in cellular and fibrous components may resent or may present with pallor or a light, light in color. And now we're going to talk about gingival contour. So we've got normal, cleft, bulbous, festooned, receded, blunted, hyperplastic. So the board alert here is know and be able to visualize gingival conditions and recognize whether a condition is acute or chronic in nature. Moving on to local etiology. So we've got plaque, microbiology, microbiology, adherence, bacterial products, calculus, irritating restoration. So overhangs, food impactions like open, open contacts. And the board alert here is a case study featuring a patient with marginal inflammation around a maxillary anterior crown would want you to identify the cause as a poorly fitted restoration. Now we are going to talk about plaque. So we've got the amount, composition, retention, considered a biofilm, organisms as disease progresses. So we've got a small little chart here. It says definitely know this. So you have non-modal and modal, gram positive, gram negative, aerobic and anaerobic, cocci and rods. So know this little chart that organisms as a disease progresses. So first we have the aerobic organisms grow in environments containing atmospheric levels of oxygen. Anaerobic organisms grow in environments which lacks oxygen. So board alert here found in periodontal pockets and the sulcus. Another board alert, no specific bugs associated with periodontal diseases. The ones most often implicated are, and I'm going to try and say all of these uh, Latin names, we'll see how it goes. So we've got Actinobacillus, Actinomycetimacticans. 
I'll make sure that we have this in the uh, the notes section. And then we also have Porphyromonas gingivalis. Board alert, this is the most common periopathogen. We've got the Prevotella intermedia, the, Camph- the Camphylobacter rectus, and the, Fusifor- the Fusibacterium nucleat- nucleatum. Uh, so know that the P intermedia and C rectus are most often associated with periodontal inflammation during pregnancy. Among gram negative bacteria implicated in periodontal diseases, the Fusobacterium nucleatum is one of the most interesting. It is thought to play a critical role in biofilm formation. Know that aero- the aerobic the aerobic bacteria are not not found in periodontal pocket. Know that most bacteria found in a periodontally diseased site are going to be rod shaped. Now let's talk about plaque zones. So we have supragingival, subgingival, adherent, and non-adherent. So known as plank- planktonic bacteria or free floaters is another name. So let's start back up to the top with supragingival plaque. Pellicle formation is derived from saliva, the glycoprotein, allows for attachment of bacteria. Attachment of bacterial species varies from individual to individual, but generally begins with the cocci predominant gram-positive organisms. Mature plaque has been allowed to accumulate on tooth surface for extended period of time. Anaerobes increase as plaque matures. So here, let's talk about two board alerts. So first, know that the extracellular matrix makes up the bulk of plaque biofilm and functions to hold bacteria together in a biofilm. Know that the glycoproteins are found in acquired pellicle. Now moving on to subgingival plaque. So it accumulates after supergingival plaque is formed. You have the modal gram negative rods and spirochetes increase. Loosely adherent plaque is free floating in sulcus or pocket. Moving on to the adherent plaque, densely intertwined, non-modal, cocci and filaments may become calculus. The non-adherent planktonic plaque is modal rods, spirochetes increases in acute infection. So the board alert to know here is the oral the, the oral physiotherapy aid most suited for removal of loosely adherent plaque is an oral irrigator. Now we're also going to talk about bacterial products. So we've got the endotoxins, exotoxins, and the the proteolytic enzymes. So going back up to the top with the endotoxins associated with gram-negative bacteria can harm the PMN the PMNs, the exotoxins, bacterial waste products, and the proteolytic enzymes. So the hyaluronic the hyaluronidase spreading factor collagenase produced by P. gingivalis and the penicillinase also known as beta lactamase and proteases. The histopathology of periodontal lesions. We've got Four stages for the histopathology of periodontal lesions. So we're going to start another section for this. So you guys can go over this as many times as you need to, to really have this ingrained in your brain. 
All right, let's talk about the histopathology of periodontal diseases or periodontal lesions. We have the initial, early, established, and advanced stage. So stage one is the initial lesion. This is two to four days. No clinical changes, vasodilation of small capillaries, increase in leukocytes or the PMNs, increased gingival fluid flow. Stage number two is gingivitis or early lesion. This is happens within four to seven days. Make sure you remember the days, how the length of the days for each stage. So again, stage two gingivitis or early lesion is four to seven days. Clinical signs of gingivitis appear. So leukocyte infil infiltration into the CT connective tissue, sulcular lining develops REIT pegs, Collagen destruction, sulcular lining is ulcerated, allowing for bleeding, PMNs in sulcus. Now moving on to stage three, established lesion two to three weeks. It's variable in time, but usually around two to three weeks. Urethema of the gingiva as a result of capillary proliferation. Color changes begin in papillary and marginal tissues and progress to attached gingiva. Gingival enlargement may increase probing depths. Plasma cells become prominent, widened intracellular spaces in pocket lining. Now the last stage, so stage four is advanced lesion. Definitely know this, transition from gingivitis to periodontitis. Stage four, the advanced, advanced lesion is the transition from gingivitis to periodontitis. This is irreversible. It is three, three weeks to life. The JE becomes detached from the root surface as it migrates apically, or the junctional epithelium becomes detached from the root surface as it migrates apically. And we have osteoclast here, and also a really important one is bone loss. Now moving on to the anatomical events of periodontal disease progression. So you have increased probing depth, increased attachment loss, increased bone resorption, attachment level changes within time. Hemodynamic changes. So we've got the transient vasoconstriction, the vasodilation, hyperemia, margination, pavementing, diap diapodesis, immigration, the process by which neutrophils squeeze between the endothelial cells and immigrate into the tissue from the blood vessel. And then lastly, we have edema is the last hemodynamic change. Now, board alert here, we have two. So know that vasodilation immediately follows initial vasoconstriction in the acute inflammatory process. Know that the, that the movement of cells to the site of inflammation is termed chemotaxis. PMN, the neutrophil defects, significant to development and progression of periodontal diseases. So we've got two board alerts here. Know that the most prevalent cell in acute inflammation was the neutrophil um, or the PMN. Know that PMNs are the most active cell in the periodontal pocket. Primary neutrophil defects or disorders. So you have the agranulocytosis, the cyclic neutropenia, shit, the Shidak Higashi syndrome, the lazy leukocyte syndrome. So the board alert here is know that a deficiency of neutrophils or the polymorphonuclear cells is called neutropenia. PMN defects secondary to other disorders. So the 
the papillon lefevre syndrome, Down syndrome, where the neutrophils are short-lived and defective, inflammatory bowel disease, and Addison's disease. All right, so the next thing that we're going to cover is clinical assessment of the periodontium. Make sure that you know this. This is going to be extremely important. Um, so we will start a new section for this topic. All right, so we have clinical assessment of the periodontium. Clinical attachment loss, <clears throat> or CAL, or CAL, C-A-L, identifies distance from the CEJ to base of sulcus or pocket. Best indicator of damage to periodontium. Increase equals disease progression. To determine attachment loss, several measurements must be taken. The junctional epithelium to fixed point on tooth. Probing depth. The gingival margin to fixed point chosen for that tooth. Measurement of recession must be added to the pocket depth. Depth measure of ginger of tissue enlargement must be subtracted from the pocket depth depth. And there's a beautiful picture that helps uh, explain this in a little more detail. So this will also be added into the note notes section. Board alert here. Be very familiar with Cal. Yes, do. Make sure you understand the clinical attachment loss. Know that clinical attachment level measures from the CEJ to the base of the pocket. Clinical attachment loss includes, includes recession. Scaling in shallow pockets can lead to loss of attachment. Know that a periodontal pocket is characterized by the apical migration of the junctional epithelium. Following initial periodontal therapy, a four to six week reevaluation appointment is necessary to determine effectiveness of the, of the treatment. The first thing to assess at the reevaluation appointment is the degree of inflammation still present. So now let's move on to furcations. The identification and measure, measurement. Neighbors probe may be helpful. I would say necessary. Now we've got class one, two, three, and four. So we're going to start off with class one. Early or incipient. Class number two is moderate. Probe may enter furcation but cannot pass through. Class three, this is severe. Probe can pass through entire furcation. Note, in maxillary molars, the probe will pass between the mesial the MB and the DB, so the mesial buckle and the distal buccal roots, and touch palatal root. And finally, the class four, it's the same as class three, but furcation is visible clinically. So you'll be able to see the furcation uh, clinically with a class four. So now let's also go on to the width of attached gingiva. The attached gingiva is lightly, is tightly connected to cementum on the cervical one third of the root and to the peri the periosteum of the alveolar bone. The attached gingiva extends from the sulcus or pocket base to the mucogingival junction and functions to prevent free unattached gingiva from being pulled away from the tooth. Width varies in different areas of the mouth. So with the widest and anterior teeth is 3.5 to 4.5 millimeters in maxilla, 3.3 to 3.9 millimeters in the mandible. The narrowest in premolars, we would have a 1.8 millimeter in mandible and a 1.9 millimeter in the maxilla. So note here, width of attachment gingiva is not calculated for palatal surfaces. 
To calculate width of attached gingiva, subtract probing depth from the total width of the attached gingiva. Other items to assess, so tooth mobility, tooth positioning, missing teeth, restoration status, proximal contacts, unusual wear patterns, tooth abnormalities, radiographs, normal bone patterns, crestovalvular bone. Alveolar bone should be one to two millimeters apical to the CEJ. The contour of alveolar bone should follow contour of the CEJ. The intact lamina dura, the PDL space should be visible and uniform. The radiographic findings of bony destruction. So you have horizontal or vertical bone loss. Horizontal loss indicated by a greater than two millimeter reduction of bone height. Vertical bone loss is angular. Change in furcation involvement. Lamina dura becomes less distinct. Now let's talk about pocket formation. So we've got supra bony defect and an infra bony defect. So the supra bony defect, base of pocket is coronal to the alveolar bone, all gingival pockets. Infra bony defect, the base of pocket is apical to crest of alveolar bone. Moving along to occlusal trauma. So we have primary occlusal trauma and secondary occlusal trauma. So going back up to primary occlusal trauma, excessive force on tooth with normal bone support. The secondary occlusal trauma is normal or excessive force on tooth with loss of support. A board alert. Know that occlusal trauma does not cause periodontal disease. Hmm. Signs and symptoms of occlusal trauma, increased mobility, tooth migration, sensitivity, radiographic widening of the PDL. Now, the next thing that we will discuss is the contributing factors for development and progression of periodontal diseases. All right, so now the next topic that we're going to go over is contributing factors for development and progression of periodontal diseases. So first... It will, we will discuss the systemic factors. So we have diabetes, emellitus, nutritional considerations, blood cell dyscrasias, hormonal effects. So we're going to go back up to the top again with the diabetes mellitus. So we have increased risk, xerostomia and caries, candidiasis, delayed wound healing, and the lecanoid reactions. And the next one is the nutritional consideration. So we have scurvy, which would be vitamin C and the Washakor protein deficiency, protein deficiency. A board alert here is that know that a healthy periodontium needs vitamin C and protein. So it needs those two, those two things. Now we have blood cell dyscrasias. We have the uh, erythroblastic anemia, cyclic neutropenia, radiology or radiation therapy, leukemia, the acute monocytic uh, hormonal effects. So we've got pregnancy gingivitis, granuloma, pill gingivitis, puberty gingivitis, gingivitis menstrualis, and intermenstrualis. And menopause, pregnancy, gingivitis, we've got progesterone, provotella intermedia, and the campylobacter rectus, and pyogenic granuloma. Now moving on to the acute gingival conditions. So the acute gingival conditions are herpes, recurrent amphistomatitis, and that... That's that's all for the acute ging gingival 
conditions. So let's go back up to herpes. So incubation is one week. Fever, the lymph, the lymphadenopathy, the pain. Now moving on to the recurrent amphistomatitis or the RAS, R-A-S. It is a common condition, starts in childhood or adolescence as a recurrent small round or ovoid ulcers with circumscribed margins, urethematous halo, yellow or gray floor, painful, does not appear to be infectious, contagious, or sexually transmitted, uncommon on on keratinized mucosa. So the cause is idiopathic. That means that the etiology is not well understood. Maybe the manifestation of a group of disorders of quite different origins. Possible autoimmune component, predisposing factors or HIV infection, deficiency of iron, folic acid, or vitamin B, smoking cessation, stress, trauma, hormonal fluctuations, predisposing factors are sodium lauryl sulfate reaction, certain medications like NSAIDs, and the treatment generally palliative usually heal within one to three weeks. Now we're going to move on to the gingival enlargement. So drug-related Now we're moving on to gingival enlargement. So we have drug-related, so phenytoin, dilantin, which is for epilepsy, cyclosporin, and nifedipine, also known as procardia. Phenytoin or dilantin, it's an anticonvulsant, an anti-epilepsy. 50% have hyperplasia. Cyclosporin is an immunosuppressive, type 1 diabetes, organ transplant. 30% have hyperplasia. Now moving on to nifedipine or procardia, the antihypertensive calcium channel blocker. And now other causes for gingival enlargement. Mouth breathing. Periodontal inflammation, genetic factors, hereditary, heredity, systemic conditions, so leukemia, hormonal imbalance. We also have hypo, hyper, hypertrophy versus hyperplasia. The hypertrophy enlargement due to an increase in cell size. And the hyperplasia enlargement due to an increase in cell numbers. So going back here to the hyperplasia, familial or hereditary, idiopathic fibrosis, epolis, and neoplasm. The treatment for severe hyperplasia is gingivectomy, flat procedures, and laser So now we're going to keep going on to gingival recession. So we've got causes are, the causes for gingival recession are age, passive eruption, plaque, it, tooth position, latrogenic, frontal pool, trauma, inadequate attachment, improper flossing technique, and the board alert here, Stillman's cleft is indicated by vertical loss of tissue or papilla. So when you think or see Stillman's cleft, it is indicated by vertical loss of tissue or papilla. Now let's talk about tooth mobility. So we've got different Roman numerals to indicate tooth mobility. You have one, two, and three. So... Roman numeral one is mobility of crown 0.2 to one millimeter in horizontal direction. The Roman numeral two is 
movability of crown over one millimeter in horizontal direction. And Roman numeral three is movability of tooth horizontally and vertically and depressibility. Board alert here. To check tooth mobility, use two hard handled instruments. No fingers here. The frimitus is the, pal the palpable vibration of root surfaces as the patient taps the teeth together. Generally checked using the pad of the index finger against the tissue overlaying the root surface. Now we're going to move on to specific considerations. Now we're going to talk a little bit about specific considerations. So the specific considerations are smoking, genetic influence, cancer patients, and HIV. So going back up to the top to smoking, we've got more bone loss, deeper pockets, no more plaque, host alterations, alterations in microvascular system, less likely to develop amphis ulcers. The board alerts here is know that smokers are at an increased risk for developing periodontal disease due to the microvasculature vasoconstriction. They do not have an increased risk for caries. Hairy leukoplakia associated with HIV infection is not, is not associated with smoking. Black hairy tongue is smoking black hairy tongue. Genetic influence. So we've got da the Down syndrome, papillon La fever, lazy leukocyte aggressive periodontitis. Now with cancer patients, we have xerostomia, which is dry mouth, mucositis, which is inflammation, dysusia is loss, altered taste, fungal and viral infections. And now we're moving on to HIV. So the LGE, the linear gingival erythema, marginal band, diffuse erythema, non-responsive. NUP, NUP, necrotizing ulcerative periodontitis, necrosis of gingiva and bones, severe pain, spontaneous bleeding, increased incidence of amphis ulcers. Board alert here, know that Kaposi's sarcoma presents as a bluish purple macule. Now moving on to periodontal treatment. Periodontal treatment. So we have periodontal therapy objectives. Identify the disease, control infl inflammation, deal with resulting defects. The goals of periodontal surgery. Better cleansability, replace tissue, gain new attachment, gingivectomy, external or internal, soft tissue only, pseudopockets, gingival hyperplasia, most common surgical procedure to reduce pocket depths. We also have the osseous surgery, requires gingival flap, bone recontoured, osteoplasty, bone removed, osteo osteoectomy, sutures removed. So the sutures here are tissue apposition, the bioabsorbable, which is the gut, and non-absorbable is the silk. A board alert is know that sutures are used to increase the apposition or bring the two edges together is the apposition word of incision edges and decrease the distance that cells need to migrate in the wound healing process.
What periodontal defect factors should be considered? So you want to consider endodontic status, mobility, defect, defect characteristics, defect depth, width of the defect, number of associated bony walls. So key, the more walls, the better the prognosis. Three wall def defect is best. One wall defect is difficult to treat. So we also have periodontal dressing. We think when we think periodontal dressing, we need to be thinking of comfort, protection, tissue placement. It is not often used. A board alert for here is periodontal packs containing eugenol are irritating to gingival tissues. Know the periodontal dressing dressings maintain tissue contour. Upon removal of a periodontal dressing, white patching is common made up of dead cells and tissue debris. It also could be plaque. Periodontal dressings do not, not prevent plaque from forming. And we also have regenerative procedures. Guided tissue regeneration, or GTR, uses barrier membrane to block migration of epithelial cells. Osseous grafts, soft tissue grafts. The boiler here is that the main reason people receive regenerative procedures is to treat infra bony defects. Infra being key. Healing dynamics. We're almost done, guys. Hang in there. The healing dynamics. Healing dynamics. So the healing dynamics. Repair in the oral cavity generally involves fibrous repair. Repair by the formation of granulation tissue. This process involves proliferation of small blood vessels. The neovascularization and fibroblast. Fibrous repair involves four stages. First, I'm going to say the four stages, guys. Then I'm going to go back over and say more detail. So first, we have the blood clotting. Second is wound cleansing. Three is rebuilding tissue. Four is the wound remodeling. So going back up again to blood clotting. Local tissue injury results in hemorrhage from damaged blood vessels. The initial blood, blood, the initial clot forms rapidly and is composed of a gel that consists of fibrin, fibronectin, and platelets. This clot fills the wound and serves as a scaffolding into which the PMNs and macrophages migrate. Now, number two, wound, wound cleansing. Macrophages ingest debris and degrade the clot. PMNs attack bacteria. New blood capillaries and fibroblasts move in as debris is removed. Number three, rebuilding tissue. Fibroblasts synthesize and deposit fibronectin, collagen, and proteoglycans. The resulting tissue is cellular, edematous, and highly vascular. It is termed granulation tissue in step number three, which is the rebuilding tissue. Number four is the last step. This is the wound remodeling. The granulation tissue is eventually remodeled into a scar composed prim primarily of dense collagen with, inter with interspersed cells and blood vessels. Moving on to arachnidonic acid pathway. The arachnidonic acid is produced upon injury and then metabolized to produce inflammatory mediators, primarily prostaglandins and leukotrienes. Some NSAIDs and other medications inhibit some portions of the arachnidonic acid pathway, notably inhibition of prostaglandins by aspirin and ibuprofen and, an, and inhibition of leukotrienes by asthma medications such as Singular. 
Board alerts here is prostaglandins cause swelling, pain, and inflammation. Leukotrienes are also released by the arachnidonic pathway and cause inflammation, bronchoconstriction, airway obstruction, and increased cellular infiltration, and the cytokine release, including interleukins. Leukotrienes are derived from leukocytes, specifically neutrophils, basophils, macrophages, eosinophils, and mast cells. A board tip here is think of prostaglandins equal pain. They both start with a P, and the leukotrienes equals lungs. Both start with the letter L. Now we've got dehiscence and fenestration. A dehiscence represents loss of alveolar bone, typically on the facial aspect, that leaves a characteristic oval root-exposed defect from the CEJ apically. The defect may be 1 to 2 millimeters long or may extend the full length of the root. Three characteristic features of dehiscence include gingival recession, alveolar bone loss, and root exposure. A fenestration is a window of bone loss on the facial or lingual aspect of a tooth that places the exposed root surface directly in contact with gingival or mucosal tissue. It can be distinguished from dehiscence in that fenestration is bordered by by alveolar bone along its coronal aspect. And you've made it to the end. So completely done. And we will move on, guys. Listen to this as many times as you need to. And also make sure that you check the notes for any pictures that may help and charts.